Hello and welcome to episode 7 of season 10. In this episode I speak with Tara Dennis, USA Director of Archie Bolden. Longtime readers of the Undercover Architect blog may recognise Tara from her involvement in the Anderson Project. It features as a project diary on the Undercover Architect website as we followed a family building their new home and Tara did the interior design for the project and there's a blog that shares how Tara shaped her interiors vision for that project. I'll pop a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. Now Tara and I have together at different times in different businesses and I've always loved working with her. She brings great fun and energy to projects as well as her brilliant skill and talent. Tara is now USA based and her business which was formerly known as TD Creative Agency has recently gone through a rebrand into the fantastic business Archie Bolden. With offices in both Australia and the USA, Tara has boatloads to share with us about how to use interior design to create spaces in your home that look and feel great. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. So before we dive into the interview, let me tell you a little bit more about Tara and Archie Bolden. Archie Bolden is the audaciously creative brainchild of daring duo Tara Dennis and Hayley Richards. At Archie Bolden, they believe in people and they believe in design and they bring those two elements together to create spaces that reflect the values, desires and intentions of those who engage them. Archie Bolden is young, modern, enthusiastic and considered and has a knack for knowing what you want, sometimes before you've even realised it yourself, and delivers it in a way that shoots the sun out of the sky. Tara Dennis is an interior designer and she is the USA Director of Archie Bolden. With a background in residential property development, commercial real estate and a side hustle in high-end furniture manufacturing, she boasts one hearty repertoire of design-related skills and experience. Tara's relaxed management style, her deep understanding of property and her passion for interior design enables her to combine the creative with the business and provide an all-encompassing solution that is not just good-looking but practical and well-planned. She believes in purposeful design intentions that are a true reflection of a client's personalities and values and has no fear when entering uncharted design-related waters. Nothing memorable ever came out of playing it safe. On the Archie Bolden website, they have this beautiful statement that I think really sums up their approach. They say, we believe in engaging as human to human, not business to business. We're interested in designing with you collaboratively, with sincerity and integrity. We do all that we do to enable you to be all that you can be. Isn't that brilliant? Now, Tara is based in the USA, Haley's based in Brisbane, and together they provide a unique approach that produces stunning projects on both continents. I know you'll love this interview. Tara shares very generously from her experience and expertise how to really use interior design and decoration to ensure that your home truly works for you in a timeless way so that you can be all you can be. Now, let's dive into that interview. Well, Tara, it is fantastic to have you here. You and I go back quite a way, uh, as I said in the intro. I think it's, uh, it's uh, it, and it's so lovely to see you venturing out into, you know, a global base and really working in a way with clients that's fantastic and really unique to the, like the way that I've always seen you work and uh, and the, the type of creative work that you do. And it's really lovely to be able to get you on the podcast and, uh, and talk more with you. I know that uh, you shared some of your knowledge and expertise with the UA community a long time ago when we were working on the Anderson project and uh, it's uh, it's just really lovely to get you back now um, obviously more established and doing uh, work all across the the you know continents so can you talk with me uh, just about what type of work you generally do what type of projects where you work I know that it's very varied and in, you know quite wide-ranging in terms of location where do you largely work and on what type of projects so we are, um, by the time this comes out, it'll be the new business and the new business will be based across two separate continents. So uh, having a presence in Australia and in the US and really working with the idea of, although we have two separate locations, we're a joint team. Um, so I mainly conduct most of my design projects here in the US on the eastern side and it's actually quite similar in Australia, funnily enough, and totally unplanned. So Haley in Brisbane is 
Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, kind of wherever those projects lead. And I go back and forth between New York and Atlanta. Um, would love to get out to the West Coast, but that's a whole other story. Uh, and project-wise, we we try and focus at the moment on retail and hospitality. Um, that is our strength and that's our love. Um, but we will take on residential projects um, of any scale. We generally try and take on residential projects that have a bit of meaning to them. So the clients, you know, they've come to us because they might like our style or they've heard something or they've seen even some hospitality work. Um, but we do like projects that are all encompassing. So whether that is an entire cafe or an entire restaurant or an entire home, because you really get the ability to sink into a concept and see it through to the entire home. Uh, because we I mean, it doesn't make sense to me to only just do one singular space in a home if everything else looks totally different. It's like you're kind of in one mindset in your living room and then you walk into your bedroom and you're in an, in an entirely different mindset. So our projects are pretty broad, but that's it kind of generally pulled down. I often encourage people to look at the more public or retail hospitality spaces around them. We do take a lot of interior design direction in our homes from those spaces. We see things working. It might be at a hotel or resort that we've been to or it's at a cafe or something like that. And I think what's really exciting about the way that you work is that those the, a lot of the concepts that you explore and really experiment with and the textures and the finishes really do translate beautifully to a residential environment if and and what it's that ability of a homeowner to say I really love that style that's the that's the kind of feeling and fun and functionality and texture and colors and you know that evocative kind of approach that you have that's what I want to bring into my home and I think that's really exciting for a homeowner to be able to do that. Yeah, there is a lot to be taken from hospitality that I don't think is taken enough. You know, in retail and hospitality, a lot of the reasons why we love those projects is because there is a really strong concept. You know, there's a specific client, a specific budget, there's a specific style. And so you really have those guidelines and parameters to work within. And I feel like you can be more creative because you do have those parameters. Wilson Residential, a client tends to show you about a thousand images from Pinterest, which is awesome and great because it will give me an insight into their mind. But it's a lot also, it's a, it's a lot harder to make decisions because there are so many options on the table. And so it would be super cool, you know, moving forward if in the design industry, people were able to look at a hospitality space and go, I see that, you know, green was their concept or maybe they wanted to focus on I don't know, an industrial space they saw in Brazil and then have an overarching concept like that influence their residential home um, makes it easier for me. <laughs> but I think it's it kind of just means that there is that, as I kind of go back to it, that natural flow in your residential space and that has that story behind it, which is what makes it so interesting. So it would be great, yeah, if we could bring in some more hospitality to residential for sure. I th and I think that's a great way of explaining to people how to actually brief their interior designer as well. So now you work in interior design and decoration. So can you explain what that actually means uh, for a homeowner? If homeowners really confused, do I just get them on to, you know, pick my kitchen bench tops and kitchen cupboards or do I just get them in when I'm doing soft furnishings? Can you talk a bit more about how that, what that actually looks like? Because you've mentioned a few things, but I think it'd be really helpful. Right. So there is, yes, the two facets, interior design versus decoration. So interior design is the thing that comes first. So essentially, if you think of architecture as the arrangement of interior spaces, interior design, or as some people call it, interior architecture, is the design of those spaces as a whole. So you're essentially looking at your floors, your walls, and your ceiling, and how those spaces relate to each other. So that might be your floor finishes, your paint finishes, um, the lighting on the ceiling in a kitchen, it'll be splashback or tiles, etc. So it's all of those pieces that cannot be easily changed. Um, interior design is also very heavily dependent on spatial planning, um, how you stack your spaces near each other. It's quite technical and it's very closely aligned or it is construction essentially. And then interior decoration is what you've done after you have done your interior design. So that is not to say that it, it should be done concurrently, but it is an, uh, a layering on top of your interior design layer. And that focuses on all of your soft, loose elements, um, your furniture, your pieces of art, your objects, maybe you've got curtains, et cetera. Um, so they do strongly correlate, but 
it is important to go with the interior design elements first because those are not so easily changed and they're usually a lot more expensive. So you, you go back and forth between the two though. And in terms of working through that process with a homeowner, can you explain a bit more about what that sort of looks like? When do you normally get involved? What's the ideal scenario in terms of when you can, I suppose, most have, a, have a, the biggest impact with the greatest outcome uh, in working with a homeowner and becoming part of their team for their project? I think any designer will tell you the earlier we can get on board, the better. (laughs) I mean, I would love to be involved in the conversations during site selection, but obviously that's not always an option. I mean, I do like to try and get on board before, you know, really when the architect first comes uh, onto the team. Um, If that's not an option, then, you know, pre to construction, obviously, because there's lead times that become involved. So it it depends on each project, you know, if, if you're going with builder that you has a specific um, set of options that you can choose from, then I don't need to come in too early if it is a very broad scope um, or it is starting from much more of a blank slate, then it is much better to come in earlier, especially because those decisions are harder to change. So yeah, I would, I would like to come on board much earlier on, but that's not to say we can't make it work. Um, it's just when everyone in the team is on the same page from the beginning, It's a lot easier for decisions to flow quicker. You know, your budgets can be more cohesively um, structured out if everyone is across the same thing at the same time rather than trying to tack on, you know, different consultants later on down the track. Yeah, and I think when you're working with an architect or a designer for the overall sort of house design the, the ability to kind of have that concept really carried through in the expression and selections as part of that interior design process does then build that opportunity for that cohesive, you know, um, really whole experience of the house so it doesn't feel like it's a tacked on afterthought, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's much more about everybody bringing their expertise to create that overall outcome that you're seeking to achieve. So, and I know that lots of homeowners will get totally overwhelmed. I speak to a lot of homeowners who say, holy cow, I had no idea I was going to have to make that many decisions, even to the point where it's like, you know, a kitchen, it's like, even how, how do I work out how over, how much my bench overhangs? Where's the handle positioned on the cupboard front? How tall are my kick plates? You know, and I think a lot of times homeowners aren't even aware that these are even decisions to make because somebody's just making them on their behalf without giving them an option at all. How do you help clients really stay on track and true to their vision as part of all of those choices that they have to make and help them sort of support them to not get overwhelmed and really guide them through that process? Do you see homeowners just really outsourcing everything to you? Do you have a kind of method with which you work with people to kind of really facilitate that decision making and not overwhelm them and manage their expectations? How do you generally find that works best? I think, I mean, we prefer to work more collaboratively. I want, it's especially in residential projects, I want my clients to feel like it is their home and not my home or my designed home. It's something that they're proud of and they've been involved in every step of the day. I think that's very important. I think to not get overwhelmed, it's just like, how do you eat an elephant one piece at a time? And you kind of, you break down, especially the biggest decisions that have to be made first. Um, you know, the locations of bedrooms, of, of bathrooms, you know, of you, like your kitchen layout, things that you really can't change, focus on the big picture stuff and then essentially go room to room and just kind of keep narrowing it down. So we're working with a client at the moment in Brisbane and I've been on, they're building a home from scratch and I came in from the very beginning with them to work on all of the finishes. I discussed the layouts with them, et cetera. It's now almost a year later and we're now getting down to the nitty gritty of is there a timber rail on the balustrade on the internal stairs? You know, where do we stop that tile line in the bathroom? So there are a lot of decisions to be made, but I think you just have to just do them one at a time and just the bigger ones first um, and to stay on track and keep that cohesive vision. You know, as long as you know what the purpose of your interior is or the purpose of your the home you're building, you know, if it's for entertaining, if it's to be cozy, if it's, as a weekender, that is the frame of which you base all of your decisions on then. And so that kind of, as long as you can remember why you're doing it, that also naturally helps to clarify a lot of questions that might arise. Yeah. And I think it's that thing of um, working with somebody who actually knows that those decisions are coming up too. You know, if you're a homeowner doing this for the first time and all of a sudden the builder turns around and says, hey, 
um, where do you want the tower rail in your bathroom? And instead you've worked with an interior designer who at drawing stage has said, this is what we're thinking about where the tower rail is going to go. <laughs> it's a very different process, isn't it? And I think a lot of that overwhelm comes from when somebody feels like they're backed into a corner having to make a decision under time and cost pressure, whereas having an interior designer on board enables you to be more, much more methodical, much more proactive and uh, calmer in those decisions. And the more you can share up front with your interior designer, the easier your decisions will be later. So if you know you're going to put artwork or you have a big piece of art that you want to place in a certain spot, if I know that from the very beginning, then I can you know, communicate that with the builder. We can make sure the architect has provided enough depth in your wall for a, you know, a nook or whatnot. So that's easy to sit down. And even if it might be you know, a week of onboarding for a for a project of just tell me how you live what do you want to do like how do you want to feel in the space and then at least later on we've already I've already in your mindset so it's a lot easier to either make those decisions or just already made them much earlier on yeah great point now something I love about your work is that there is such personality to it there's such you know it is just um it's, it, I can always see your work and go, yeah, that's it. There's just this character and this joy and this, um, uh, it's just very, you've done an awesome job of creating your own unique personality in the way you do your work. And then the personality that you bring of the clients to that space, be it hospitality or, or retail or a home, you know, I suppose when it's retail and hospitality, it's about the personality of the brand. And then for a home, it's about the personality of the family or the homeowner. Do you, you know, and I think too what you do is is that you can see the opportunity to give each room its own personality based on the typical sort of feeling and function you want to evoke. But then that all ties together holistically to create a very cohesive experience in the home. Is this something that you're deliberately trying to do? And how do you, you know, how do, why do you see this as so important, uh, the, both that personality and I suppose the specific room by room application and then how you tie the home together overall? Yes, we do think about that. We think about a project as a whole and then you do think about them as individual spaces. Um, The reason you think about uh, whether it's a retail or hospitality or residential project as a whole is that it is easier for the mind to process when it's on a continual thread. So especially in your home, if you're walking from space to space, you want to feel calm and relaxed. You want to just naturally have that flow and that energy across all of the spaces kind of equal out. You know, if you're going from an absolutely crazy, hectic kitchen into then a really soft and soothing bedroom and then maybe another hectic bathroom off the side, it's kind of constantly playing with your emotions and your energies. And especially in a residential space, it's really important just to have that natural flow. And maybe your flow might be crazy nightclub. Cool, like that's your thing. Um, But then that, you know, that is dictated as well by the personality of the homeowner, um, which, you know, we obviously are always trying to pull out. uh, And yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that a lot of our projects have a lot of our personality in it because I would like to think that it's almost none of ours and it's all of our client because <laughs> oh, it's just hilarious that, you know, it still comes through. Um, but I think the, the, the commonality between all of our projects and that personality is that we've been able to find the best in each of our clients' personalities and we've pulled that out. And so when you're you know, correlating a lot of the best things of a lot of different people, it's naturally just going to shine in itself. Yeah. And, and I think too, it's it's a testament to your ability to position yourself as a certain type of designer that you attract the types of clients that you do as well. You know, I think that this is the big thing is that people go to a designer and then try and get a different a different outcome to what they ordinarily do and the way that they ordinarily work. And then they're surprised when it doesn't work and when they're not gelling and not communicating well. And, you know, you've got to find and work with people whose work you already like and are doing projects and that and and uh, design work that you really resonate with and then ask them to do more of it on your home with your own style, your own personality, your own take on it, rather than try and get somebody who, you know, always does red to do blue, you know, like it's just, it, you know, and I think that that, um, what yeah what I think is awesome is that when people see your work they go okay well when I work with Tara and her team this is what I can expect and so this is the framework and I'm really excited about what's then possible when I bring my own personality and uniqueness to that situation so yes and 
we, I feel like we spoke about this all those years ago when we were doing that house together, but the business that we are in is not actually the design business. It's the relationship business. You know, Haley and I with the new business that we're launching are very adamant that when you hire us, you're hiring us as individuals. You're not hiring just a firm. And so it's so important. Not only do you like the work that we produce and you are interested in having that same outcome, but that you also like who we are as humans and you know, for me, a successful project isn't necessarily the outcome of a beautiful interior. It's like you've got a new set of best friends. You know, So I think that when there is that cohesion, um, that's when you end up in really, you know, really beautiful projects. And those are the ones that we show. I mean, we've had plenty of projects where for some reason, you know, there hasn't been a synergy between us and the client for whatever reason. Um but you can see that in the end, in the end outcome of the design, maybe they weren't sharing enough information about what they actually wanted, or maybe we were misled about certain budget, you know, for whatever reason. So I think that's almost just as important, you know, making sure that you actually like the person because you will end up talking to them. I probably talk to them more than I talk to my family. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. And it's the way that you breed trust and openness and that transparent communication, which ultimately then delivers the project you actually want, you know, so rather than the thing that you think that they, uh, yeah, I just, I think that there's such wisdom in what you're talking about because it is very much about, you don't get trained as a designer that the relationship and the communication is the key part of you getting your work done every day, yet you see the benefit of having a good communicator, somebody who really works to understand their clients on a project and builds those beautiful friendships ultimately. I think back of the projects I've always loved working on because it's a really intimate thing. You know, you're creating, you know, you're creating the spaces and the finishes and the textures that these people will interact with every day. They'll be in their family photographs. They'll be the stage of their family celebrations. You know, they'll, they'll like, I still remember the sofa in the house I grew up in, you know, it's that, it's that. <laughs> and so it's that, it is that thing of how, how you find the right fit for that, uh, for that to, to trust somebody with that privilege and that that person then is um, somebody that you want to be able to be open with and, and give honest feedback when you don't like something or you'd feel that they're not really understanding you. And, and it, then, yeah, you're right, it does breed that opportunity for you to anticipate, okay, I think this is what the client would like in this scenario, which then that streamlines so much decision-making because you're only bringing them the three options you think that they'll like rather than the 300 that are actually available. So... Yeah, I learned that early on in my career. I remember working with a client uh, and I just couldn't get in his head for whatever reason. And I remember taking to him what I thought was a lot of great options and he just scrapped all of it. And now looking back, I can understand it wasn't because I was doing what he was telling me to do, but I couldn't understand how he was thinking because he wasn't letting me in. And so he was then complaining that, you know, I'd wasted his time. And I'm like, well, you've also wasted mine because how am I meant to know what you want if you're not telling me, you know, or you're just not sharing enough of who you are. So it's, yeah, it's super important for the relationship, but also I mean, time is money. So we've all got budgets. Yeah. And I think that that, um, I think is people's desire to find a name for their style and get attached to this kind of Pinterest library of say Hamptons or Scandi or industrial and get really kind of, use that as a means of communicating to a designer rather than saying, well, this is how we like to live and this is how we want to feel. And these are the things that we are attracted to and we feel we'd like to have around us because we find them aesthetically pleasing, but it's, you know, they get wedded to, well, because this is what people are asking them. It's like, what are you start? What's your style? What, what are you going to do it in? And they forget that they're actually probably limiting the conversation, limiting the options to really create something that's uniquely theirs by not communicating what it is about the style that they particularly like and then how they actually need to live and feel and function in their homes. So, Exactly. And a lot of styles, you know, they're very specific in very specific spaces. So, you know, you can't really have a Hamptons home unless you're in the Hamptons or you can't have a full industrial warehouse kind of thing unless you happen to be in the back of Melbourne in an industrial. So you, you can be influenced by them and you can take specific elements, but it's really selecting what it actually is in that style that is meaningful to you and then adapting it to your space. You, you can't just cookie cutter a concept and just drop it in and hope that it'll work because it, it won't. Yeah, no, great advice. Now, I wanted to pick your brain uh, and your expertise to help the UA community about a, spe a few specific areas that I know that they get really challenged by. So 
In terms of kitchens, what would be your top interior design tips to really help homeowners understand how to get it right in their kitchen space? I know that it's like that's kind of like how long is a piece of string, but it's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I guess there's so much that goes into it. But your key ones that you would really encourage homeowners to think about and consider. You 100% have to think about how you use your kitchen and why you use your kitchen before you make any decisions. So if you have a lot of young children that like finger painting, you are not going to put in a natural stone. I would absolutely not let you do it, even if it will look beautiful, because that is just, it's ridiculous. You know, so you really need to think about the usage of the space. So do you like entertaining? Do the kids do homework at the kitchen table? Do you like to cook with your partner with a glass of wine? Do you, you know, do you have a wine fridge? Like what are the absolute practicalities of that space? And those practicalities will then completely decide everything else around it. So, you know, as I said, if you like a lot of entertaining, natural stone might be beautiful, but it is so incredibly hard to maintain that you're constantly going to be, you know, watching that surface. You know, maybe you should go for a reconstituted stone or even, you know, some kind of cool other concept of tiling it. Um, So you can still have something that looks great, but it's just so much more practical um, and user friendly. So I, yeah, you definitely have to start with that. And I think, that practicality um, concept flows through then to your equipment and your equipment is such big dictators of, again, the size, like how you use the space, the size of the space. You might need double width freezers and fridges. You might hardly ever cook, you know, so you don't need any equipment. So it's like how you are actually going to live in it and use it is the number one thing before you can even decide anything else. And then again, all your decisions will just be able to flow off that understanding of what the purpose of that space is. Yeah, I think that's really true. I think people kind of forget that they actually are going to be cooking in that kitchen and they get really caught up in how's it going to look? Do I need to make it symmetrical around the sink? Um, do I, you know, does it, how long should my island be? And, uh, you know, these butler's pantries that everybody is adding these days and and they're shoving so much in the butler's pantry, but they forget that they've got a small family that they need to keep an eye on whilst they're cooking dinners most night and they're going to be in the butler's pantry and it's going to be really problematic for them. So I think... Um, I think that, you know, it's something obviously that I talk about a lot and I know that it works in your work as well, coming from that place of how is this actually going to facilitate our lifestyle in the way that it suits us um, is a great is a great place to start from. So um, people get really hung up on that working triangle too, I find. But, I, yeah, I think that that is a bit of a furphy really. I find that, uh, again, that's a case of kind of like, are you somebody who keeps everything in the fridge or are you somebody that keeps most things in your pantry and, you know, do you like to be able to pull out hot stuff and put it on a bench immediately beside you? And, you know, so that working triangle for me, is that something you find too in just that layout? I couldn't even really tell you what it was. I think I've looked it up over the years, but I just find it so irrelevant and so unnecessary because how can you tell everyone to do the same thing when no situation is the same? I mean, I've been in kitchens that on paper would look so wrong and I would probably see them and advise against them and try and change them. But then in reality, they make so much sense. You know, at our family's beach house, we have, it's built for entertaining. And so we do very much have an outside, you know, living room kitchen kind of kitchen and then the walkthrough butler's kitchen. And we have no dishwashers, like no equipment in that show kitchen and everything is kept in the pantry. If I had have seen that on paper, I would have like freaked out when they were, when my parents were building that. But for us, it works so perfectly because we end up having 20 or so people milling around that island in the kitchen. It would be a disaster if there was a dishwasher there and, you know, the the lid was open, people would be tripping over it. So we've just learned to adapt ourselves. And, And in that instance, it's, it's great, but that triangle, yeah, I wouldn't even know how to draw that triangle in that kitchen. <laughs> It'd be kind of going stretching out back and around the corner. And, oh, God, who knows? It's very true, though, and that I can imagine, you know, knowing your parents and that entertaining thing. Yeah, for if if every like if everybody was loading all of their their dirty dishes onto that show kitchen, whilst then everybody stood there and stacked, rinsed them off, and stacked the dishwasher that's not going to facilitate then moving on to the next course or feeling like you can go and relax and worry about it all later, you know, shoving it all back into the butler's pantry and letting, you know, and then being able to move on to the next course and those types of things is a much better way of being able to design the kitchens. I can imagine that for a lot of people, it's going to take a bit of really personal investigation and then really being staying true to their own vision um, because oftentimes we go, oh, but for resale and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you can always argue the merits of that from a resale point of view anyway. 
definitely. So. And I think that being honest, like you have to be very honest with how you live. You can't trick yourself. You know, you can't say, oh, once we get the new kitchen, I'm, I'm going to live a certain way. It's like, it's like when you buy a pair of jeans saying I'm going to be losing a couple kilos, like it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, so what you always need to do is like when you're starting to go through that process is have a notepad with you every night and almost like a checklist. Like, what did I do tonight when I was in my kitchen? Like, I hate going to, the, I, don't, I, I don't like being able to see the bin. It's like, okay, well, if you don't like being able to see the bin and every night you look at it and it frustrates you, then integrate it. It might cost more, but that's a little thing and it's joyful. And that's how you work. So it's, you have to, you just have to be honest, you know. And I love it. Now, can we do bathrooms? Can you share some wisdom about what you would recommend homeowners think about for their bathroom design? So bathroom design is a little bit different uh, because it is inherently a smaller space and the, the activities involved in a bathroom are a lot more refined. So instead of necessarily thinking about practicality, which is always something to think about in general in those spaces, I am much more interested in the mood you are trying to feel when you're in your bathroom. So I personally like darker spaces. That's why I'm drawn to hospitality. Uh, so I want to be in a bathroom and I want to feel good about myself. And maybe that might be lower levels of lighting or having a window in a particular area. You know, maybe if you're someone that wears a lot of makeup or you spend a lot of time on your physical appearance, you might want to make sure that you have something in that space that accommodates for that. And so it's really that it's the start of your day. It sets the whole framework for your mood and, and for, you know, how you're going to conduct yourself within those next 12 hours. So I think it's so important that when you step into that space, first thing, when you wake up, you feel exactly how you want to be feeling. You don't want to be walking in and immediately going, Oh, this light, like I can't stand it, you know, or, or frustrated because maybe you don't have enough counter space and your makeup doesn't have anywhere to sit. So it's, you've got to think about the feeling you want and then kind of work backwards from that. And then that'll start to dictate the practicalities from how you want to feel. Yeah. Fantastic advice. These are great. Now I'm going to um, pick your brain again on lighting because I know that it can make such a significant difference to our interiors. A lot of homeowners don't even think about it until they get to the point of walking around with an electrician on their project and, uh, and then just the sort of panicking to sort of, you know, fit in what they need to. And yet it's so much part of not only the functionality and the usability of our home when the sun disappears, but in the feel as well. And, the, and, and lighting can be used as a really feature element, really ev evoking a particular mood or um, enhancing the nature of our interiors. How do you help your clients get their lighting right? Oh, there's so much that goes into it. So we do our lighting plans at the same time as we do our floor plans. Um, I mean, first things first, and I know you're a big advocate for it, but your natural light elements. Uh, so once you can like analyze your floor plan and, and look at where the, where the windows are and how that is flooding the space, you then need to think about how the space would be used and take into account a lot of things that clients aren't even thinking about at that point, but the placement of their furniture, um, the location of specific pieces of art on the wall, um, it, you kind of have to almost, it again is a layering effect. So you need to have your general task kind of lighting through a space and then you need to have your feature lighting. And sometimes you need both and sometimes you need one or the other. And it's kind of working out the priorities of maybe in a living room, you know, you, you're obsessed with it being dark so you can watch movies. So maybe you don't need any downlights in that space and instead work around some kind of floor lamps or mounting lights to the either side of the TV. So they're shining back on you rather than behind you and reflecting off the television. Uh, so it's, you have to kind of go space to space and really work out what tasks you are doing in those spaces. And then you need to think about the, the quantity and the quality of lighting that you need. Uh, LED lighting at the moment is super popular and I understand it from a sustainability perspective and from an environmental perspective but you can take it too far and then you end up with these horrible white blue lights, which research is coming out to show is obviously detrimental to our, to our eyes and to our sleep habits, et cetera. So I kind of am, I'm exploring a lot more in that realm and trying to work out that right balance between having, you know, your sustainability and your environmental aspect to a lot of your lighting, but also at the same time trying to create an atmosphere and be kind on your body. A lot of people tend to overlight uh, 
and I it's it's been interesting since I came over to the US they don't do a lot of downlights especially in multi-residential properties in fact a lot of my friends live in apartments that have no downlights anywhere through the space and that's done from a value engineering perspective but it has been quite interesting to see how you, the spaces adapt and how your you know your own behaviors adapt and it's quite nice to not just have a blaring light over top of you so yeah, you've really got to think about lighting from the very beginning. It's a, it's a tough one. That's a really interesting observation, actually, because you can find that a lot of rooms you could light through, you know, floor lamps, table lamps, wall lights, or a pendants over a dining table that might have a dimmer on them, you know, and it, and I was just chatting to somebody earlier, which will also be on the podcast about just the thermal performance of your home is improved if you're not punching a whole heap of um, holes in the ceiling to put down lights in because you're not then creating all these air leakage points. And so it is really interesting to see how this can work together from so many different points of view. And clearly the thing is to think about it early, as you say, and really be mapping it out as part of that, you know, the number of people that I see signing off floor plans without putting any furniture into them and, uh, and, Ah, oh, you know, and just not having having thought through where is a PowerPoint going to go? Where's my sofa going to go? Do I want to, am I the kind of person who sits in a single chair to read my book or do I want to lounge on the sofa? And you're just setting yourself up for a whole heap of disappointment when the house is finished and it's very expensive to retrofit at that point. Very, and I have been brought on late to the game on a few residential projects where I've stood in the bedroom and I've gone, now where did they think the bed was going to go? Like you've got PowerPoints right in the middle of the wall. I'm like, that's behind my client's bed, you know, and there's two of them. So who's stealing that one? You know, so yes. And it's also a lost opportunity. You can be so creative if you try and if you get in early enough and you think about other ways of doing it that are different to your standards. So maybe it is only putting a lot of floor lamps around. And then maybe if you've got timber flooring, pulling your electrical up through the floor so you don't have cords stretching across the space. You know, that's not necessarily uh, more expensive to do. It's just if you consider it early enough, it means that your end result could be something quite cool and different just because you put it in a little bit of thought just a little bit earlier. Yeah, fantastic advice. Now, I'd love to talk with you about the fact that interior design and decoration can be really seen as this on-trend industry. People really just trying to figure out what is currently in, what's going to be in in the next few years when their house sort of actually is completed. And it can be really tricky because your home's generally a fairly permanent building and the, the decisions that you're making can be quite permanent and fixed. How do you keep your work timeless? so that your clients don't feel like this was something that they liked back then and it's dating now um, and still feels like it's part of their personality and their personal tastes? I think we don't do trends. I don't like them because it means that it's someone else's idea. You've got to really stick to what's true to you and what you enjoy. Clients, yes, they do get scared that maybe something they saw down the street in the window of a shop is amazing and beautiful and totally different to what they would normally like, but they're too scared to do it. And I think I'm a big believer in that if you like it, it'll just all naturally work together because you have your own inherent understanding of what you're about. Maybe over time your interests might change, but they're not going to change radically. Like you're not going to go from a white, scanty, minimalist lover to a crazy bohemian eclectic you know safari Africa, you know like they're, you're going to have slow, slight shifts over time and so what I try and do with my clients who are I mean most residential clients can tend to be quite hesitant just because it is your home and you're seeing it every day is we start with the biggest piece the biggest and the most expensive piece uh, and that's normally the sofa in the living room or maybe it's a big floor rug and if you start with that and you make sure you love that you're not going to not love it in a year, you know, you'll probably love it for a good five to 10 years. And then if you decide to swap it later, that's fine. So start with the biggest, scariest piece and get comfortable with that and locked in with that. And then everything around else around it will just naturally fall into place. Um, and that piece becomes your anchor. And then it helps, as we were saying before, kind of dictate the thread through the rest of the spaces. But I think if you then start building off that, it might be that you go super trendy on a much smaller object, you know, it could be a scatter cushion, maybe it's a piece of a wall hanging or whatnot and it's you push your boundaries with things that you won't be upset about if you do lose money on it or if for some reason you have to give it away um just test the waters a little bit you know and it could even be 
you know, before you take a big step, if there is a piece of fabric with a very strong pattern on it that you're obsessed with, but you're nervous about it, you know, we give all of our samples to our clients and I'm like, stick it up on the wall. Like, look at that every single day. And then the day that you're over it, take it down and we won't do it. But if it's still there, like months later, well, you clearly still like it. So just trust me, it'll be fine. Yeah. 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 And I like that idea. Don't cover a whole sofa in it. Just put a few cushions on it instead so that you can <laughs> know just that ease it. your way into it. <laughs> it's like exercise one day at a time. <laughs> love it. Now, one of the things that I love about your style is that it's so, and your work is that it's so textural. Um, I, you know, I think you actually posted something on Instagram yesterday or the day before that was a scheme that you were putting together that was these beautiful textures and then a little bit of bling. And, uh, and I think it's, <laughs> and 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 you know I'll have to find the post and put it in the resources because I I read it and I thought yeah that that is what I know of your work that's the consistent theme I find with all of your work and yet it gets it gets presented in so many different personalities and characters and and schemes and yet it's tied together by this beautiful kind of consistency what do you love like what draws you to these materials that are so touchable and tactile and you know adding the little bit of bling what is it about this that you feel really resonates with the way you want to work I don't even know how to answer that I've just always been obsessed with texture just it's and it's funny that post you're talking about Haley in Brisbane posted that those are her words but you probably would have thought that they were mine so we're literally the same brain we, t- we laugh about the fact that we're like work work soulmates because I read that and went oh did I post without realizing wow anyway it's beside the point but um that's I know, awesome always, <laughs> I know it's like literally she, like when we were going this is a total side note we were going through the rebrand uh we had some questions given to us by the branding company and they were like, maybe, you know, you should do them together to make sure you're thinking the same thing. I was like, are you kidding me? We'll answer the same thing no matter what. And I think Haley had a first go and then I just kind of added some lines on. I was like, every, literally, she can answer for me. Like, same brain. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I think what it is about texture, I don't know, I've just, I've always been very tactile and I feel like there's a lot more depth in texture. Um I sometimes feel like an easy way out is to just go for a print on a standard like linen cotton fabric. I don't know. I, I couldn't even tell you what it was, but I just, I, I'm always touching things. And I think that it's a lot, it's, you know, the more depth a, a textile or, or a piece of furniture or really anything has, the greater the energy that is pulled into the room. You know, so when you touch a velvet and I mean, as I'm saying this to you, I'm like rolling my hands together. You know, you touch a velvet and you have that like light start to saturate through the different fibers of the fabric and then how that then reflects out. And then if you've got another, you know, have something heavily textured to the side that might be, you know, big ropey kind of graphic element, like that's also throwing light and shadow. So it just creates a lot more intrigue, I find. And I feel like greater textured textiles and whatnot are just more comfortable, you know. It, it just creates a lot more interest and intrigue without being too aggressive, you know, a really beautiful, like, leather, acid-washed, marbled stone. You sit there and, like, you're just constantly kind of playing with it and see how it changes in the light. And, you know, one day it might look one kind of colour and then the sun starts going down and it's reflecting a different kind of colour and it just means that your space is alive and it's moving and it's, like, giving something back to you. I just answered it. Yeah, you did it. (laughs) I couldn't even tell you what I was thinking in the beginning. No, but I love that. I love that there's this, it is, there's this possibility to animate the spaces that you live in through the selections that you make in it. And it comes down to that, the the way that light moves through the space, the way that it changes over the course of the day, and then can translate into the textures and the finishes and the fabrics that you have around you. And that idea that it, that it actually draws energy and creates energy, creates change, creates, uh, yeah, excitement about a space. It's that thing of, I, I, I often tell homeowners that you want to walk into a space every day and feel that immediate connection with home that I've dropped my shoulders, I put my bags down, that sigh out of I'm home. And you also want your home to surprise you every day, you know, to really be presenting back to you so that you don't become 
I suppose, um, like Groundhog Day, that it's, it is actually an opportunity to appreciate your home day in, day out in new and interesting ways. And I think what you're talking about in terms of the textures and the tactility is just such a gorgeous opportunity. And I, I remember very early in my career being taught that if you look at a lot of really well-designed buildings, they'll keep things that are out of reach and sort of on far range views, quite simple and about, you know, function and those types of things. But the things that you're in contact with at, you know, hand level and eye level and, you know, hip level are the things that actually draw you to want to touch them and interact with them and the detailing is lovely. And, you know, that's how you really humanise what is actually quite a large volume and a large space. And I think that a lot of your work is doing that. It's really bringing that uh, that joy and that personality and that excitement and animation into into the interiors of a, of a project. And I, and I think uh, things with texture are inherently warmer. You know, so I think about the the new Hudson Yards um, shopping centre. I don't know if you saw the photos I put up the other week. I went and had a look at it. It's been open for two weeks now. Looks fantastic, but everything is shiny and flat. I would not say that there's any texture in there. So it comes across as very cold and not so much uninviting, but it's just very harsh. You don't want to feel that in your home. You know, you want to come home, as you say, and like release and feel warm. And I think when you have things that have texture to it, it means it's probably like a thicker loop pile or it's a denser fabric and then it's got warmth to it and it's 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 like cozy. It just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, it's a great way to manage sound in a house too. You know, homes can be quite noisy. And when you've got soft furnishings that have got some texture and depth and, uh, you know, like that, that heavy rug or something like that, that's a great way to suck noise out of a room rather than having a whole heap of hard, hard surfaces that noises bounce off. So... Now, um, one last question, and you've touched on it in terms of people um, choosing things that they like and that they'll always like, but I really love when I see interior designers encourage homeowners to be brave about their choices. I feel like a lot of what we're seeing out in the world is this kind of sea of sameness. Everybody's too scared to kind of step outside the box. They want everybody to love what they're doing. They want it to look like what what is popular and what, what and so if, you know, and, and you lose this gorgeous opportunity to make something that is actually uniquely yours. How do you encourage people to be brave about their own style and really facilitate the expression of their own style in their projects to really I think I think it's a hard question I think you really have to look for inspiration that's not typically found so you know a lot of people go on Pinterest and they look at hundreds and hundreds of images and they're trying to find something that is super different and they look at it and they recognize it as different and then they're going to copy it. You know, that's not how you do something that is true to you that is different. What I'm finding myself doing a lot more in my designs is when I'm looking for inspiration for a project, I'm actually looking for things that aren't in an interior. So I'm looking at paint colors or I'm, you know, a lot of our textured boards, you know, like the bark on a tree and then thinking kind of how I can interpret that into a space. And so I think that's a much more authentic way of pushing it is looking at the things that you already enjoy and you find joy in and then finding a way to adapt them in a way that you are not used to doing. It doesn't have to be radically different. You know, your friends might come in and go, oh, I saw that the other day somewhere. You know, that's very similar. If it's new to you, that's all that it matters. And that's true to you, I think is more people can stay away from seeing what everybody else is doing, then you have, you know, you're more open to greater exploration. And I mean, nature in itself is so inspiring in general when you pull so many different color matchings from there that you're not going to see on an interiors photo on Pinterest. Yeah, that's fantastic advice, Tara. Thank you so much. You've shared such a such wisdom with the UA community and so generously. I really appreciate your time. Um, I know that it's late where you are, so thank you so, <laughs> so much. Thank <laughs> you. It's been a pleasure. It's so great to chat. We always have such great conversations. I love it. Cheers, Tara. I hope you love that interview. Tara managed to cram so much fantastic and actionable advice into that interview, so I, I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Now head to the show notes or this blog on Undercover Architects website where I share links on how you can find Tara and Haley and get in touch them with them wherever you're based. And you can check out some of their stunning projects. There's fantastic photos for you to have a look through. I'd love it if you can also reach out and thank Tara if you enjoyed her interview. I know my guests love hearing feedback about how their knowledge has helped you. Now, given that Archie 
Bolden services both the USA and Australia. I've actually popped this interview into both my online courses for American homeowners uh, and my Australian and homeowners. So the American uh, course is the Welcome Home course and the Australian course is How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home. And Tara's interview is there in full as a special bonus for members. Now, if you're thinking about renovating or building your family home, you're already researching and planning, or you're even in the design stages, you're going to want to check out the online courses I have called How to Get It Right in Your Reno or New Home and the Welcome Home course. So How to Get It Right is tailored for Australian homeowners. And in the Welcome Home course, I team up with award-winning American architect, Eric Reinholdt, to create a specific course for American homeowners. Both courses They take you through my step-by-step system from the very start to the very finish of your renovation or building project. And I'll explain a bit more about that in a minute. Look, as Undercover Architect has grown as an online business, I really love being able to reach and connect with homeowners from all corners of the globe. I've got almost 25 years industry experience in design, building and renovating in Australia. And what I've found is that this step-by-step system of mine for any renovation or new building project, the one that I've been using in client projects and in my own projects for all of that time, when I actually teach this system to you, you like... What I see time and time again is how it can help you as a homeowner save time, money and stress in your project. And so that's what these courses do. When you have the steps to follow, the map for your journey ahead, you can then move confidently towards that future home that you're dreaming of and not waste any time or money. When you know that that step-by-step system has been created over decades of experience in hundreds of hundreds of family homes like yours, you can save so much stress in your project and create a home that works and feels great. And when you have the steps, as well as the professional know-how, design knowledge, tools, resources, and guides, you can seriously shortcut your journey. You can enjoy your experience and you can avoid the heartache and drama so many endure. If you're keen to make your journey simpler, be confident in the home that you're creating is actually achievable and know the steps to get you there. These online courses are the way. In them, I've literally packaged up what is in my head and my heart from almost 25 years experience to show you the way to your future family home. Do you want to learn more about the courses? Well, if you're an Aussie, if you're an Australian homeowner, head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash get it right. And if you're an American homeowner, head to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home and you'll be able to find out all the information about each of those courses there and I've got a special bonus for the gorgeous UA community podcast listeners this is the first time I've ever done this actually just use the code podcast all right the word podcast you have to type it in to the coupon code when you go through and buy you'll immediately access $50 off okay so you'll get a $50 saving when you use the coupon code podcast so those links again are Australians undercoverarchitect.com forward slash get it right and Americans undercoverarchitect.com forward slash welcome home. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.